0: Oh, God.
1: Amen. Amen. We greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Looks like these ones are the ones that are greeting me back. We greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 We are happy to see all of you this morning. Amen. It's a great Pleasure to meet in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Now, just without waste of time, let us go to First John, first John chapter 2 from verse 13, 3 first John. Is John Chapter two, from a stating.
2: Uh,
1: if you have found it, you can say, Amen. It says, uh, I write unto you, fathers, because he have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. And it comes again on verse 14. It says, I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. And the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Amen. Ah, this, this was the, this was the elder John writing to me. Uh, we can turn to Proverbs twenty, and we'll read only verse seven. Proverbs twenty. We'll read only verse 7. It says, The just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. The just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. As we bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of mercy this morning. We just want to thank you for what you have done for us throughout the week. You have preserved us, dear God. And at this point in time, we approach your throne of mercy. And Lord, having expectations that we are right in the potter's hands, you will be able to mold us, dear God. And if there is anything that shouldn't be there, let the ministration of the way to take it out, dear God. So that when we leave this place, we should be better people, better believers and better representatives of your way. And Lord, we realize that as humanity, many a times we fall short. But Lord, we want to thank you for your grace. We want to thank you for your mercy. And Lord, for your patience with us, dear God. And Lord, we have experienced the love of the Father. And Lord, there are many times you fought our battles. And for that, we just want to thank you, dear God. And when we leave this service, may your name be glorified. May the people come and have a a deeper experience with you dear God. We realize we are living in a closing of the hour Lord as the prophet of God says we may be the very last people in the closing chapter of humanity help us dear God to be able to take a stance with your weight and Lord we commit everything this service to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. While you take your seats Um, uh, This morning we thought it it would be proper for us to as well jump on the bandwagon and speak on something related to the Father's Amen. Uh, how many appreciate uh, godly fathers? Amen. Uh, my phrase, the, the title, I'll just say, an ideal father. An ideal father. That's what I, I would want to look at this morning. Uh the purpose of the message normally, uh, because fathers have taken uh, a beating for, are taking a beating these days. So whenever you say you are going to speak about ideal fathers, many times fathers become nervous and say, "Where will it go?" Amen. Ah, because uh, we live in a in a we live in a world of uh, extremes whereby you've got really bad guys, really, really bad guys uh, misquandering as fathers. And then you've got great fathers that are at their post of duty. I think the responsible thing is never to paint people with the same brush, um, amen. My prophet has taught me that if you see a bogus dollar, there must be a genuine one somewhere. Amen. And I think the, the, pro, the challenge that we have in the end time is that we, we sort of put bad fathers on the banner, and everybody sees bad fathers. And we hide good fathers. We don't talk about them. Amen. Amen. Uh, We live in a world of uh, hashtags. Uh, Some will come and say, uh, hashtag men are trash. Amen. Yes, there are men that are trash, but there are men that are godly. Amen. And if if you have experience the trashy side of main wood. we apologize but there is a good side of manwood. amen I, where do we begin here i think my monitor is of brothers is coming on and off i don't know what's happening amen now When I I was looking at something here, they say, when kids are four years old, they say, my dad can do anything. That's when they are four years old. When they are eight years old, they say, dad doesn't know anything. When they are 12 years, they say, oh, well, naturally fathers don't understand when they are 14 years, they say, Father, hopeless, old-fashioned. When they are 21, they say, Oh, that man is out of date. What would you expect? When they are 25, they say, He comes up with a good idea now and then. When he, they are 30 years, they say, We must find out what dad thinks about it. When they are 35, they say, a little patience, let's get to death's input first. When they are 50, they say, what would death have thought about that? When they are 60, they say, I wish I could talk it over with death once more. Amen. Does it ring a bell? Amen. Just uh, my, my remark... They say, what is a father? He is a strength and security, laughter and fun, a prince to his daughter, a pal to his son, a great storyteller, and a mender of toys, who is little dismayed by his family's noise. He is an everyday Santa who brings home surprises. the man to consult when a problem arises as eager a worker as ever there will be who wants all the best for his whole family he is a loving instructor who struggles to teach his child to achieve all the goals one could reach he knows in the heart that it's worth all the bother when he hears his child says that man that's my father and on those notes, we just want to say happy father's day Amen. Now, a lot of people do not have cherishable memories of fatherhood. And without going around the room, it's very few men that their fathers are still around. It's very few men that were raised by both mom and dad. Most men were raised by single parents, especially mothers, either dad passed on while they were still young or dad just left and went absent. They were raised in the absentia of a father figure. We know that almost 60% of households in the country are households that are being read by single mothers because either way, uh, a dead could be in prison or dead has gone or dead has passed on, but that is the reality that we find in our time. We live in in a very imbalanced society, amen, and if you have a man that you call dead, you should consider yourself a very, very, very lucky. Amen. He may be there, he may not be as perfect as you would want him to be, but consider yourself a very, very lucky. Brother Brenham says, "What is fatherhood?" He says, "Is an attribute of God." When we say, "If he says it's an attribute of God," that means. Real fatherhood must bring God on display. Are you here this morning? Real fatherhood must bring God on display. Amen. Now, before we, we delve into the subject, we've had wars and rumors of wars. We've had World War One, World War Two, World War Three. But there is a war that is busy unfolding that we have not been able to really zoom on to. We call it the gender war. It's a war between men and women, and that war has been triggered by the devil. And that war, uh, it looks like not soon it will get into the church as well. Uh, the church will not be immune from that war. Hallelujah. Uh, in that war, there, are a, there is a side that is justified of it, and there is a side that is unjustified of it. Amen. Uh, we see women movements are rising, uh, uh, saying enough is enough about men, It's about time women rise and take their positions in society. Uh, It's about time that they change uh, the course of events to a certain extent. When you hear their argument, they are justified because they feel many of them were subjected to various abuses. Uh, But while at it, I don't think two wrongs make right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that a man has a position and a woman has a position. And let me say this, sisters uh, don't join that bandwagon. As much as I would say to the brothers, uh, there is an abuse taking place, uh, the abuses that are being perpetrated by men, I will as well say to the brothers, don't join that bandwagon. Be a godly man, be a son of God. And lead your family by Biblical principles. Amen. And when you are in the house, let the peace be peace in the house because you are a a custodian of peace in your family. Amen. Uh, Out there I can't speak, I'm not speaking on behalf of uh, the world. Out there is Dog eat dog world. But I can speak on behalf of the people that I represent which are the people that are in the message. Are we together? Um, One thing, uh, sisters, the children will only respect the father to the same degree that you respect their father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When a mother respects the father, the children respect the father. When the mother disrespects the father, the children disrespect the father. Uh, The mother is actually the one that has got the greatest influence in the family. Are we together? We, we We will get into, I don't know how many men that are here that agree with me that being a man is not easy. Are they men here? This How many men agree with me that Kunez already raised his hand? <laughs> Amen. We, we're going to have a real talk this morning. We're going to have a real, real, real talk so that when we leave this place, we should be uh, better fathers. Amen. Zulu, there's a Zulu uh, uh, saying. It's in Inevitable Daughter. In Evelyn Daughter. Amen. Which uh, simply, loosely translated, it means the scar of a man is must never be a subject of laughter uh, by other men. Amen. What I'm simply saying is that men. We we are. I'm I'm very very suspect of a man that will always want to misrepresent other men that would want to project themselves as a hero. Uh, such a man is a dangerous man. Amen. Real men uh, they've got each other's back. Uh, are you here, folks? Amen. So that saying, it simply means that if you find a man having fallen into the ditch, you don't go around drinking coffee and say, Have you heard Mr. So-and-so has fallen into the ditch? What you do, you reach out to that man and you pull him out of the ditch. And sometimes after you've pulled him out of the ditch, that incident will only be remembered by the two of you, while the rest of the people know nothing about are we together? Uh, what i uh, you you may not understand where I'm going is because today, it is difficult to find a man that you can confide in, and the reason the suicide rates are skyrocketing is because men have got no one else to talk to. Hallelujah. Uh, and by nature, a man does not want to, perci- to be perceived as being weak. Every man would want to be perceived as the alpha. The alpha male. The man that is in charge. The man that sorts out situations. The man that is on top of his game. And when, when, when the game begins to overrun him... He gets overwhelmed and he's got no one else to talk to and and he slides into depression. And he isolates himself and before you know it, that man is gone. He took his own life. Amen. So I'm simply saying as men, we need one another. I'll be speaking more to men but hoping that sisters will be able to get certain things as we are having a dialogue this morning. The prophet that we follow did not come from a perfect family. He came from a broken family. Dad was an alcoholic and he actually says in the message, the life story, my daddy, just before he left, he called for me. Poor old fellow. I hate to say this. It just kills me to say it here. He died hungry. My daddy died hungry. It was during the time of depression, which means economic recession. We couldn't work and couldn't find nothing to work. He was sickly. He was just barely making it on and just dividing what we could divide. But I know he was hungry because we hadn't eaten since that day before. He had a heart attack. I stood by his bed and I picked, up, I picked him up on my arms like that. And he looked at me and went out to meet God. I believe someday I will see him again. Amen. And in certain messages, he tells you his background, how he was an alcoholic, and how it ultimately ended where he died. But he says, my dad died a poor, hungry man. Amen. Why and when? When? Why did not God pick up a prophet from a perfect family? I think God picked up this prophet to represent that many people are gonna come that share the same background as this prophet. And why would one God to why? Why would one uh, the prophet to be similar to our environment or our background? He wants us to be able to say, if that man made it, I can make it. Yes. Are we together. His dad was an alcoholic, but Brother Brenham did not die as an alcoholic. His family died when Brother Brenham, when the father died, the family was destitute. But when Brother Brenham died, the family was not destitute. And I can be able to say, Brother Brenham, by the grace of God, was able to break that cycle that was running in the Brenham family. And if William Brenham can break that cycle, every man in the building right now, when they yield themselves to the Holy Spirit, they can break whatever cycle that has been running in your family. How many believe that this morning? And we, we, I don't know whether... You'll bear with me if I'm all over the place today because I I just have quite several things to say, Uh, quite loaded stuff here. Amen. Uh, Before I go there, maybe, brothers, just let's get the, the diagram that I would want to show. So that I can be better, I can depict the pressures of a modern man Yes. Leave it like that. Amen. It's a it's a horse and a wagon there. Hallelujah. If you had this in the ancient times you were really a rich man. Amen. It was a status of wealth. But there is something that I want to show you here, and I hope it will be it will make the lives of the fathers very, very easy. When you look at this wagon, it was being drawn by a horse and it had to have a man there. That would make sure that the horses pull the wagon. And right where you don't see at the back of the man, that is where the family, if he was tra- going somewhere, the family will be sitting right there at the back. Are we together? Now, tell me something here. If this man, he moves into the wagon and stay with the family in the wagon. What is going to happen to the horse? Talk to me, church. Uh, one student at a time. Okay. I remember when I was at school, the teacher would ask. Some of us would just make noise so that our lips could be seen moving. <laughs> so that if he points, he must never point at us. <laughs> Amen. What would, if this man can move where the family is, and he leaves the horse without this, what do you call it, the rails? Is it the rails? Uh, is it What? The rains. Yeah. Ray, ra- Just like rain, the rain. Oh rains. Oh okay. Rains. Amen. If this man leaves the rains and goes into the back of the wagon and stay with the family and play with the family there, what is going to happen to the horse? <laughs> it will it will it will not have direction. So that means it will not take them to their destination. Are we together? Amen. But then if the man focuses on the horse and the, the reins and makes sure that it pulls the wagon, the family remains alone in the wagon, isn't it so? Yes. The, there are moments that this man is going to miss or incidents that are going to happen in the wagon that he's, going, he's not going to be able to see. Are we together? There's somewhere where I'm going here. This is an analogy, and it speaks about the modern man in our time. If he spends time with the family, he's there for every single incident is available, the family will be broke. Hello. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If debt is always available, there will not be money to pay the bills. And when debt is not available and is concentrating on the horse to bring an in income, the family accuses him that debt is hardly at home. Am I talking to me? I'm mean here. Are uh, they men that understand what I'm talking about? Amen. Thank you, Brother Joseph. Hallelujah. Now, here's something interesting. Maybe dad gets you into this wagon while he's 21, and mom is 18. They are married, and they have a second, a firstborn, secondborn. When dad is 20, he hopes that, look, by the age of 30, I will be relaxed. I will work so hard that by the age of 30, I relax so that I can spend time with the family. Hallelujah. Sometimes he says, I want to work hard so that by the time I'm 40, if the monitor again there, brothers. I'm, works hard that by the time I'm 40, maybe I can be able to relax and spend time with the family. And somebody says when I'm 50, somebody says when I get to 60, but I've put up these things so that you can understand the analogy. That from time to time, dad has to pull the reins so that the horse Can pull the family forward. And sometimes he leaves the reins to go back into the wagon because maybe there is a child that is born. He takes care of the child, but he cannot be there at all times because if he's there with the baby, with the mother, and is an available debt, there will not be anything to pay for the bills. So that means while he is pulling the reins, from time to time he leaves the reins, he goes into the wagon he takes care w- with whatever business that is being taken care of he comes back to the reins this is what a man in the end time is dealing with and the danger part is that while he is pulling the horse the devil doesn't doesn't the, the wagon is not a place that is immune from the devil's attacks while he's busy pulling the, the, the reins To make sure that he pulls the family in the right direction, there could be a child there that somewhat becomes a drug addict. There could be a child that is there that becomes pregnant as a teenager. So, uh, are you here, sisters? Hallelujah. That is why you can never be a good family when mom and dad compete. There must be collaboration between mom and dad. Amen. Are you here, folks? Yes. And I have never seen any family that would want to compete amongst themselves. That family is not going anywhere. It's when, because, well, dad is taking care of the horse. Mom must take care of the wagon. You look surprised. Does it make sense to you, folks? Amen. I just wanted to give you a perspective on that. So next time, when we say debt is not available, just bear in mind. And I'm not encouraging that debt must not be available. We've got to admit, folks, the devil is out to destroy a man. Are the sisters here this morning? The devil is out there to destroy your husband, whether you like it or not. You know what is happening? During the time when the Israelites were in Egypt, Pharaoh was, very, was a very wise man. He said, listen, these people, they may give us a problem, but this is what we are going to do. We are going to multiply the workload. They must work 10 times much more than they should be working Because he knew that the more they work, it will disorientate their spiritual lives. And you can ask ask yourself, what is Pharaoh doing today? Hallelujah. The bread that used to be five rand because of price collusion and so forth is now at 15 rands. The car repayment that should be 3,000 is 6,000. The house that was supposed to be 400,000 is 1.2 million. Those things are right on the shoulders of the modern man. And the devil knows that the modern man is not able to say, I cannot cope. He wants to be the alpha. He wants to be the guy that is on top of his game. And as a result, as I'm speaking right now, many, men are depressed. Oh, you cannot say amen because maybe you are in church. Maybe I've got breaking news for you. Elijah, the great prophet, once suffered depression. Depression does not care whether you are a pastor or you are a deacon or whoever you may be. It affects all. Are are we together this morning, folks? We will be speaking on these things. Amen. You, You can remove the diagram, brother, in the meantime. Here is a very interesting thing, fathers. The Bible says, "The just man walketh in his integrity; his children are blessed after him." We find out in Genesis twenty, Abraham had travelled; was travelling to Gerar, and when he was on his way there, then he met Abimelech. That is after the birth of Isaac and before the birth, it'd be after the birth of Ishmael, just before the birth of Isaac. And right there, Sarah was a beautiful woman. And a lot of people that are in denominations, they say Sarah was a 90-year-old woman that was beautiful. But in the message, we know that there was a body change. <laughs> Hallelujah. Abraham and Sarah became young again. And that is why this king could look at Sarah and thought that this old woman could be my wife because now she had become young again. But in order to escape the danger, they connived together with Sarah and said, listen, let's tell this man that I'm not your wife, I'm actually your sister. Because if he finds out that I'm your husband, they may kill me. And they connived and said, this is my sister. And while the man was planning to marry uh, Sarah, God came in a dream and said, You are a dead man. But look, look, look at something. This is the man that told a lie. But God says to the very man that was lied to, He says, Wake up. You go back to that man. That, man, that liar must pray for you. Hallelujah. Yes. Grace is unfair. Mercy is unfair. Hallelujah. Although he lied, it never changed the status of who he was in relation to the almighty God. Hallelujah. That man's way of escape, it was with Abraham, and he prayed for him. Stay with me. 60 to 80 years later, Isaac passes through the same area at the same spot. And now he's with Rebecca, yes. and they meet the men again. Hallelujah! When yes. uh, this Abimelech that they met is not that same, because you know the name Pharaoh was the name that moved on generationally. But they meet this man called Abimelech, or the son of that other one, under the same circumstances. And Isaac says to Rebecca, "says Listen, if I can say you are my wife, they are going to kill me." You are my sister. So that means that there was a lying spirit that was traveling generationally in the family and it started with the father and it went on to affect the son. I'm simply saying certain things when they say it's genes, it's not just genes per se, but what is happening, it, you may be struggling today with things that your great-great-father struggled with. Hallelujah! And that is why for every family, no matter how renowned and honored that family may be, there is a particular spirit that is dominant in that family. And unless you experience the new birth, you will become a victim of the spirit that has been dominating in your family. Are we together? And a lot of times I have got news for you. Being baptized is not enough to overcome a family spirit. There's a young man that was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But Brother Branham says, let this young man never marry. Because if he marries, he is going to create hell here on earth for a sister. This young man can never say, I'm sorry. He doesn't know. It's not in his makeup. He says, his family was like that. And his father's family was like that. And all these things are caught up in the boy. Stubborn spirit and unforgiving spirit in the boy. But the boy, the father of the boy says, no, 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 no. My son has come to the altar. My son has been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophet says, I don't care. As long as the Holy Spirit has not been, has not gone into that boy and that boy has experienced the new birth, he must stay away from marriage. And I'm asking myself, how many people that got married and they went through the cracks, they were unqualified, but they ended up married. No wonder in certain families we've got chaos. Was the brother in the message? Yes, he was in the message. Was he baptized? Yes, he was baptized. But that is not enough. Until such time, you are filled with the Holy Ghost. You will become a new creature, and your family spirit has not hold upon your life. And if that was an abuser and unless a new path comes into play, the son will be an abuser. Are you still with me? Now, Brother Brenham, we were speaking about being overwhelmed as a a modern-day man. And folks, an ideal man is not somebody that has got unlimited bank account. There are scoundrels that have got access to unlimited bank account. And there are genuine men, great men, that have got no access to resources. what determines you to be a man, a real man, is not access to resources or lack of. And uh, while at it, maybe somebody thinks that if you've got no resources, then you are a great man. I've seen men that have got no resources but are scoundrels as well. So I'm simply saying it has nothing to do with your economic status. Are you with me? Brother Brennan says something here. You know, Brother Brennan, no wonder people are leaving the prophet because this prophet will get you into trouble. You'll exp- I'll explain what I mean. You, you, you cannot be pretentious with this prophet because he says certain things. He, 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 he was not a neutral man. He says something bold. It causes a separation, and people, when they ask you, they will say, do you believe in what he has said? And they will realize that, listen, either I believe that or I don't believe that. He, he, he had no diplomacy in his sermons. And I, I'm going to say that statement across. It may be unpopular. Brother Bram says something very striking, which may upset the sisters, I'm, I'm told when marriage and divorce was preached, many me sisters, women, picked up their handbags and left the service while the prophet was preaching because it was tough. Brother Branham, he says something striking. He says to solve unemployment, I don't know where this tape will go. It may land me into trouble, but be so be it. He says to solve unemployment, why instead of employing women, why don't we employ men? Hallelujah. He says men are unemployed because women have taken their jobs. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, men are sitting at home, women are the ones that are going to work. But if we want to reverse the trend of unemployment, let's get women out of the jobs, let's bring men into the jobs, then we've got a balanced society. I said it deliberately, so that it can stir something in you, whether you still believe this man is a prophet or not a prophet. But I said it because I believe he's a prophet and I believe it makes sense. I know Amen will not come. (laughs) When. Here's three men that are going for an interview, and a woman going for an interview. The man is unable to provide. The wife is not working. The woman that has come for an interview, her husband is working. And when they come for an interview, the company says, we prefer women than men. And they employ this woman. She comes on board. The man goes back unemployed. Unemployed. if you've got a huge chunk of men that are unemployed, that are sitting at home and have got no means to provide, do you want to tell me that you'll be able to resolve crime? You will not be able and then sisters, you don't, don't wear a feminist hat for me. <laughs> Take it off for a while. Uh, hallelujah. This is not an individual my, my mother is working. I was raised by a single mother. She was working. She provided for us. And I'm where where I am today because she was working hard. So Ed, no, you must never misinterpret this as if I say women must not work. Come and check in my background. There is a balance here. I'm talking on a, on a bigger scale. If you've got men that are not working, and a man cannot be pro, provide, and kids go hungry, it's a matter of time before that man develops a criminal mind. Are we together? And, and imagine if the son looks at the father that is unable to provide what happens to the psyche of the young man when he looks at the father that cannot provide? I'm simply saying, recession and the economic meltdown, those are beautiful economic terms, but those are modern terms. The main intention is to dislocate a man out of his position. And, and I'm not going to give you on, uh, it to you brothers on a silver platter, some men are sleeping on the wheel. Hallelujah. Uh, so you must remember, uh, laziness is a demon that is hungry. It wants to eat to make sure that you become lazy. And when you are a lazy man and you've got children, because being a father is not as a matter of having children. It's a matter of having children and providing for them and leading them. Are we together? So, if you just have kids and you leave your kids, you don't provide for them, the mother must rise up and stand in the gap. And we realize if we say 60% of households in South Africa have got no male character, a lot of women have stepped in because dad has gone missing. And let me put it this way, young men. If you grow, any man that can divorce his wife will marry and will divorce again. Because the marriage cycle will take you through the same process. Because when you meet a woman, she never asks you about school fees. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All she cares is that we need to meet at a restaurant and have dinner, wine and dine. Her. But later, if she's got children, she'll begin to talk a different language. She doesn't want to go to Spain anymore. What she wants now is for you to pay for school fees. So it means for, her, for you to deserve a title of a man. There are certain things that you've got to do as a man. You've got to rise above the rest yes. and lead your family by an example. And while I'm at it, we have a recipe. There is a disaster that is brewing, even in the message. Young men can start things, but they don't finish anything. Young girls, they start, they finish. I know what I'm talking about. A young girl goes to tertiary within three years; she has graduated. A young man, he goes, this year he does this, next year he does that. That other year he does that. That other year he quits, he says he's trying business. That other year he's back at school. What kind of a man is this young man going to (laughs) be? Then that means he will get married to a sister, and a sister must be able to babysit this man, will take care of the children and even take care of this man, Hallelujah. And if the number increases, what kind of pastors are we going to have? What kind of deacons are we going to have? Let me tell you something. When you are a leader, people must look up to you. There is a way that you've got to do things that people have got to look up to you. That's why the Bible says, how can you lead in the house of God when you are not able to provide for your family? Hello, young men. I hope these things will sink in. Amen. Amen. Folks, this, I said there's nothing wrong with a sister waking. Hallelujah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Amen. But a man must work, a man must be able to provide. Now, Because of poor decisions, in this church we believe that five years from now, you will be where you will be based on decisions that you make today. And we believe that you are where you are today based on the decisions that you made five years ago. Are we together? Now, if, if the terrain changes, it means the battle plan must change. If you are aware of the devil's devices that he can get into the economy, tamper with the economy, to dislocate you out of your position, that means you as a man, you must be step ahead of the devil. Hallelujah. And when we say a man providing, we are not referring to where you earn a lot of money and so forth. I, I, I Look, I'm quite impressed about some of the Zimbabweans brothers that have come into this country, and it is, should make a lot of South African brothers to be very ashamed. You want me to give an example? Hallelujah. I've been, I've been within waking cycles. South Africans, when we wake, the next thing that we think of is that when are we going to go and strike? We've got an industrial action mentality. We've got no sense of ownership. Look, all South Africans, wherever wherever they are working, they are not happy. But a Zimbabwean will come here, like a brother that I will not mention his name, And would find a spot somewhere and says, from here, I'm going to be able to buy grocery, cook, and cook for the people. People will come and buy here. And as a result, from that small beginning, he's able to provide for his family. He's able to buy for a car. But a South African will not be there. The first thing he will say, what will the people say? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A lot of us, we are poor because we've got pride. Let me tell you something. God will come and strip pride right away from you as a man when he wants you to provide for your family. And when your family means so much, you don't care what other people are saying because you realize in my family, I'm a Jehovah Jireh. I must make a plan. Yes. Uh, are, you, are you with me, brothers? Yes, there are I know what I'm talking about. You, you find a person and says they are looking for such and such a thing at such and such place. Three men that I got, and they were looking for a forklift driver somewhere, I got to them. People have gone on strike, and these three men, they said, I was told by the GM of the company, he said, listen, if these men come in because now there is industrial actions, we are going to accommodate them on site will provide accommodation and food for them. They don't need to leave the site. And once we are done with this industrial action, I'm making a commitment. They are going to be employed permanent. I get to the men. I I, I load them in my car. We get there. introduce them. The next day, I phone. and says, your men are gone. I say, really? I try to give them a call. They don't pick up the the, the phone. After three months, one of them phones me and say, Hey, Baba, I was thinking, is that job still there? I said, Don't ever call me again. Because you had an opportunity, but I realize it's because they don't want to work. Let me tell you something. You can never replace hard work. A man must wake up in the morning and work for his family. There is no other way. God will only bless you when you are on that path. There is, oh, we need to get, we need to get rid of a lottery mindset. We men must be provided. We must work hard for our families. That's how we'll be able to derive respect from them. But young men don't want to work anymore. Even in the message. And even when you ask them, what are you doing? He says, no, let's talk about the spoken word. (laughs) Let's check the sequence of a prototype of a good man. Because for everything you do, there is a prototype. Adam was there. The first thing that Adam had was a relationship with God. The next thing that Adam was given was a garden. The third thing that Adam was given was a woman. But today, young men want to be given a woman before a relationship with God, before the garden. you got to have a job, my brother. Can I get an amen, brother? I'm going to say some stuff today. There is, young girls are beginning to look in the message and look out of the message because they look inside. They see mediocrity by our young men. And they get attracted to wealthy men out there because what they see? They see that the standard is too low. And I'm saying that so that I can prepare you to be a man for tomorrow. And when you are a man, you must understand, I think you will say amen to that, you must understand the devil in order to frustrate a man, he must cause problems in his workplace. A man who is not happy with his job, he will never be happy in the house. I don't care how much they pay him. And the devil knows that for me to disorientate a man, I must go to his workplace. I must disorientate things right there. Because when a man, because what made Adam to be happy is because he had a garden. He was in charge of it. He could take care of it the way that he saw fit. And later, a woman joined Adam. But, but he, a woman came when a man was happy with what he was doing. And let me tell you something, a lot of times, especially in the end time, the dev- your work is not immune. There will be elements that will come up there to disorientate you. But if you don't have your relationship with God, you're going to be disoriented. But if you've got a relationship with God, I don't care what they do at your workplace, you serve a higher God. And if things don't work out there, God has got another door that he will open. And when he opens the door, no one will close it. And if he closes the door, no one will open it. I I think as men, we must begin to know in whom we have believed. We We are believing in the almighty God. He can move economies. He can move nations. He can turn things upside down in order to protect his children. And we serve that God. And, uh, we don't have jobs because we are lucky. We don't have jobs because we speak better English. We've got jobs because somebody has taken sides with us. And that one is the almighty God. He says, that's my son. Why am I saying that? When a man gets overwhelmed in what he's meant to be doing, either professionally, he gets overwhelmed. He sinks into depression. And a depressed man, and I'll tell you what depression will do. The problem is not depression. It's what the depression will lead you to. And when men are supposed to talk that they are depressed, they refuse to acknowledge. And when you cannot acknowledge a problem, you cannot solve a problem. And a lot of times the devil convinces men that if you acknowledge that there is a problem, that means you are weak. No, only the strong acknowledge that there is a problem because they want to come up with a solution to the problem. And a depressed man, yes, Brother Brenham was once depressed. You want me to read you, to you? And message believers, if you say it and you don't read it, they don't believe it. But where is that code? You're still with me. Brother Brenham says in the message, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, paragraph 43. He says, So I don't want you to class me as some kind of a quack. Don't put, don't put me in a box. I may be, if I am, I'm ignorant of it. I said to my wife sitting there, I said, Mida. Have I become a religious fanatic? Have I lost my mind? Or is it the Spirit of God that can just tend to those things that's crying out? Is there something in here that makes me even to go against my own thinking, my own will? I say there is only three things it can be. It can either be that I've lost my mind, and if I am, I don't know. I'm nervous. I'm upset. That's my nature. My gift does that. But as a minister... I've either lost my mind or I've become a fanatic or if it's the spirit of God, it's got to be one of those things. And that's when Brother Brahman says, I'm going to quit the ministry and go into the woods and if you find my Bible there, take it and give it to Joseph. Discouragement. And after discouragement, depression. And if that cannot be resolved, I've got something for you, man. Samson, was he lustful or was he fatigued? Samson, was he lustful or was he fatigued? Fatigued. How do we know that is a, a lustful man don't spend time sleeping? But a fatigued man is the one that they say, there is, the Philistines are upon you, and he wakes up. Spiritual fatigue, unless it is attended, it is going to affect your self-esteem. And when it affects your self-esteem, it may lend you into activities that are harmful to you. A lot of men that are running around with women, the danger is the the problem is not last. The problem sometimes is self-self-esteem. And because they've got self-esteem issues. They want to prove that I'm a man. And they take this path that is going to destroy them. And let me tell you something. The worst way to your, for your self-esteem to be affected is not to have a relationship with God. A man that has got a relationship with God, he's got a sound mind. A man that has got a relationship with God, he believes in himself. He believes in his plan. He inspires confidence wherever he goes. But a man that does not have a relationship with, with God, that's why you see men with big cars parking at high school, praying over school going children. Anyone what is this man doing here? The problem is self esteem. Are you with me, folks? Amen. Now, let's carry on here. And I had much better put this thing across. When we speak about a father, we speak about God's representation in the family. The reason sometimes we cannot get the children to God is because their relationship with an immediate representation of God is not good. And many men as they age the childhood battles are catching up with them. You I know many of you sisters you would know how many men speak about their debt. When was the last time? Only a few men that would sit down and say, you know, this is what my dad and I used to do. This is how we used to do. Most men do not have relationship with their father. And then whenever you can sit with a man and begin to bring a subject of fatherhood and you speak about father, most men break down. Because it, it brings wounds in them that are fresh. And, and if the picture that they have of the father, the kids, is like that, will they understand when we speak about the heavenly father? It affects them because a role that was there to represent God in their family is not representing God accurately. And as a result, they, 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 they find the role of fatherhood distasteful. Because of what they have gone through. If a man ran away from the family and never provided for the family, and you speak to a young guy and you say, God is the father, he immediately thinks that the only father that I know that should have been there for me ran away. Yes. So it's more difficult to, to, to be able to imprint fatherhood on the consciousness of that young man because the father ran away. And every time when the father goes absent, you are not only destroying your children, you are destroying many generations that are going to come after you. And every time when you are a man, you are available, you are there, and you do duty, duties of a father. You are saving many generations that will come after you. So that means a fatherhood, it's a generational responsibility. Are you with me, folks? I know what I'm talking about because most of the time you speak to me and say, just take me, how were you raised? Was your father there? And when a father has gone, this young lady grows up, or this young girl he grows up with a sense of rejection. And say, a person that was supposed to be there for me rejected me. And I'm worthy of rejection. And he's got mind battles or she's got mind battles. Even when she's older or he's older, he still has mind battles. They say, my daddy was not there. My daddy went missing. And a lot of times it's not nice, especially for a young boy, to look at your single mother working so hard to provide. And you realize that she's supposed to be a mother. But she's not a mother. She's both a father and a mother. And the father has gone missing. It affects you. And later, how parents resolve problems is how kids will resolve problems. If dad ran away, chances are that the son will run away. And some are sitting here and say, but we are in the message. It affects them while they are in the message. And even in the message, we must be even being more careful because we are beginning to see a number of marriages, the rate at which marriages are failing, skyrocketing. And if I'm a child, I grow up in a family where mom and dad were message believers, and they separate, and I grow up. It will take grace for somebody to convince me that the message is powerful. Because I'll say, if it was powerful, it would have kept mom and daddy together. So, do you see the devil is not only attacking the marriage, but he wants to derail a generation that comes after us? And that's why, you parents, whenever you resolve issues, don't be selfish. It's not about you, it's not about your feelings. It's about the others that will come after you. Your daughters are watching. Your sons are watching. And how you resolve it, it gets imprinted on their consciousness. And later on, like Isaac did with Abraham, they will want to do like that. They will want to do like mommy. And a lot of times we're getting into a stage where even people in church no longer believe that prayer resolves things. Few people, whenever they've got a problem, if, if they're married, few people are able to say, we don't find a solution. Let's go down on our knees. No, because we've got egos. Because why? A gender war has been unleashed. The moment there is a disagreement, a woman thinks about all the other women that were wronged by men. And she's there, she wants to represent them and say, this man must be sorted out. And the man is there is thinking about all women that are disrespecting men, and says, "This woman must be taught a lesson. You are fighting other people's battles in your house for not for your own benefit, but for your own destruction." Am I talking to somebody? Amen. Amen. And the sisters, he may not be perfect, but at least he did not run away. I think, I think, I think, I think we must learn to celebrate small victories. He may not have bought you gold, but at least when he knocks off, he comes home. That's a plus. If our you all start saying, "God, I thank you," that when other men do not come home, he comes home. That's a start. And that upri- and let me tell you something, folks, you sisters. There is nothing that cripples a man like criticism. Men do not gravitate towards criticism, or humanity by nature do not gravitate towards criticism. Let me say there is someone that you know that they criticize you. Would you invite them for lunch? Would you worry where they are and you want to go where they are? But if somebody praises you and affirms you and appreciates you, when you don't see them, you say, hey, where are you? Because you know that they will give you some dose of a feel-good factor. Imagine in a family if you come with one bag of grocery and the wife is standing there and say, just one bag. That's not enough. You are definitely going to not come up with that one again. But if she starts saying, praise God... We thank you. That's what I needed. You are a lifesaver. Thank you. Then this man gets encouraged. Tomorrow is not one bag. It's two bags. The next day is three bags because he realized I'm appreciated at home. Men today are suffering from appreciation hunger. Because women have joined bandwagon. Buys a car. He puts petrol. Buys grocer. Comes home. Pays for the car. Pays for school fees. Then next time when you see a hashtag saying men are trash, you join like a like a pirate. Men are trash. You don't even have the audacity or the decency to check and say, the women that are saying men are trash, let's check them. What kind of men are they referring to? They are referring to men that just just donated a spam and disappeared. But yours is there. He's working hard. His bosses are mistreating him, but on Monday, as sure as it is, he's back and away because why? He loves you as a family. And you want to join and say men are trash? That's a trash mentality that you have. Imagine if they say you are a trash. You will behave like a trash. <laughs> Can you imagine when your wife is with other women and they are busy talking? Men are useless. Men are animals. And you are in the room, you are listening. And you overhear your wife say, listen with all due respect. Men are Animals, men are trash, but mine is an exception, folks. As I'm speaking, he's in the house. I know where he is. A And a man overhears you saying that. Oh, he will have a revival in, the, in that room. He'll say, I'm the man. Even if he was there in the room, he will make sure that he passes through so that they can see him, that there he is. But he over you, overhears you joining them and say, he, even mine is a trash. He, he wants to leave the house. He's looking for a back room. He doesn't want to be seen. We can only be what you believe us to be. If you believe we are trash, we'll be trash. If we believe that we are a blessing, we will be a blessing. The ball is in your court. makes me to take my head off to men that are in their families. Even for a man to come to church, it's a blessing. Just for a man to wake up and bath and put a suit and say, I'm going to church, in today, it's a miracle. You don't find men in churches anymore. You you know why? It's because when a man is in an environment, because yes, sometimes sisters would want to project a pastor to be a better man than their husbands. And there's no man that would want to be compared. Let me tell you something, you married people. Any argument that involves a member of an opposite sex, you will never win it. If your wife can ever say, that woman must not call you, just say, honey, I will make sure that she doesn't call me anymore. If you're going to say, ah, but it's work, you are not going to win it. I can tell you, you are not going to, if they call me at work, what must I do? You are wasting your time, you are not going to win it. And the one that calls you, she will be enjoying in her house singing while you are having trouble. There is nothing as hard as living with a woman that is angry. You can't ignore her. Because that's her environment. Her spirit contaminates the entire house. Even when you go in your room and say, I want to stay alone, that negativity reaches you. Over a woman... That has got nothing to do with you. If I were you, I would say, honey, I'm very sorry. I will tell her that from five, she must not call me. I'm not available. And you go and you tell her that, look, don't call me after hours. You're causing problems for me. Most men are unhappy in their marriages because they defend people that are indefensible. You can't defend another woman to your wife and win. It has never been proven at any time. If you do it and win, come and share the secret. Yes. Some of us, we, when you see us happy, is because some battles we realize we can't fight them. We just walk away from them. Hey, deacons, even if it's the wife, you knew deacons. Another woman phones you at night and your wife says, why is she phoning you? Don't say, I'm a deacon in church. <laughs> no! You must say, honey, I will sort it out. 10 o'clock, if it's not agent, she must not call me. But men like defending. I'm a pastor, they must call me. Who are they gonna call? Eleven o'clock. A sister phoning you and say, We thank God for the Malachi for we thank God for the message. <laughs> then you say she's spiritual. She's got an adulterous spirit, and your wife can identify it afar off. And you must listen to your wife. Yes. Did I just say you must listen to your wife? Yes, oh, yes. Now, men are being uncomfortable. How many of you remember Nabal and Abigail? And uh, David used to take care of, of the flock of, of Nabal. And later he said to Nabal, Abigail is the only woman in the Bible, in the Old Testament, where the Bible says she was beautiful and wise. You know what made her wise? When David requested that they need to be given food, Nabal said, I will not give you anything. And he got angry and cursed David, and it reached David. And David prepared his 400 men and said, we need to go and destroy that man. And when, nah, when Abigail heard about it, She went against her husband's wishes and went to David and pleaded with David and said, my husband is a foolish man. He will get us killed. Don't kill us. He has the food. And David retreated because a wise woman stepped in. And later he died with heart attack. Of heart attack. Amen. You as a man. Another woman can mislead you, but she cannot mislead your wife. It takes a woman to know a woman. If your wife says, Be careful of that woman, don't go and say, Ha ha ha. You will be confessing not long. But above everything, a man must be a protector. A provider. An intercessor. Like Job that said, I don't know when my children were busy having a party, what they could have done but let me offer a sacrifice to the Lord. That's what a real father will do. Will protect his household. And will make sure that the same faith that he's in his household comes into the same faith. And let me tell you something, fathers. Never allow any neutrality in your family as far as your children are concerned. As long as they live under your roof, they must go where you want them to go. Did you hear me? It's not a choice. If it's church, it's church for everybody that I'm buying groceries for. This is my house. When you have your house, you can sit at home and not come to church. But if it's my house and I'm still buying grocery, hey, let's wake up. Church Chukhan. Because if you allow neutrality, the devil is not going to allow neutrality. Why well, you say, no, I don't want to impose anything on my kids. I don't want, I don't know. No, impose. It's my house. It's my law. I'm a provider. You come my way. But guess what? They will come, they will start resenting and say, why do you have to go to church? But later, when they are old, teach a way, a child a way. Although he may depart from that way, that way will never depart from that child. Later, the same child to say, his children say, we are going to church. But it started with daddy. Yes, they're going to say you're oppressive. You must have a thick skin. You know that as a man, sometimes you will disagree with your wife and say, that skirt is too tight. Because there are certain dresses that sisters develop sentimental value to. Even when they gain weight, they forget that the the dress doesn't get bigger. You as a man, you must say, ah, that, no, 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 let's leave it. She will be angry with you. Maybe sometimes we must... You teach you a lesson. When your wife is angry with you, what must you do? You don't change a principle because she's angry. You stick to the principles. Even if she cries, you don't change. You are still a man. You can even hand a tissue and say, Tissue here. But the dress is not going. We say you've got a backbone. And when you are driving, she's angry. to say, Honey, you know, that dress doesn't make, you ha- make me happy. W- why? You know, when, we got, uh, when I got married, there's the a traditional shirt that I used to love. I used to think that it's quite a swag during my time. <laughs> One lecturer even once told me that you are real Madiva, You look presidential in that dress, in that sh- shirt. I got married. That was the first thing that they told me. They said, Hey, are shirt. It's a problem. I don't even know what happened to it. So if she can take away my dress, I can t- uh, my shirt. I can take away her dress that doesn't fit her anymore. It's square, it's fair. Hey. Hear me out, me if your wife can court you, a lot of men i have observed as a pastor over the years, a man leads his family respectfully. The wife respects him. Everything goes fine. He's the one driving the, the car, the steering wheel, if I use it metaphorically. Then one day, the wife is the one driving the car. The husband is the, is the, is the person. Then you wonder, what happened? Things that he used to reject are allowed. And the man doesn't, has got no problem. Even when you ask him and say, hey, brother, why is your kids doing like this? Because you, we know you, you says, no, leave my kids alone. Then you wonder what happened. A lot of times it's because the wife may have caught him with something. And he realized that, "Uh uh-uh, now I don't have a say anymore. Then every time he says, I don't want this dress, they say, how are you? Not you. You, not you. You are afraid even to call the pastor because when you call the pastor, there is a secret that you have swept under the carpet. And says, call him, I'll tell him what you did. (laughs) Then she manipulates you. She blackmails you. All of a sudden, you used to be a great man that everybody looked up to. Now you become a spiritual dwarf before everybody. And everybody wonders, what happened? Something has been swept in. If I were you, I would say, I'll call the pastor. Pastor, this this thing I did, I really confessed. I was wrong to do that. And I'm very, very sorry. And I repent. And after you have repented, you say, yes, I have repented. This thing must go out. It doesn't mean that I fell there. Then you need to manipulate me here. No, two wrongs don't make right. Yes, many men in the message are being blackmailed. They were caught. And the wife says, it's between me and you. Between me and you. But if you try, I will say it. Then she becomes the boss. And you know what happens when you say, hey, let's all go to church. Kids, wake up. says, my kids are not going anywhere. It's cold. How? It's only you and me that go. You have lost the legitimacy in your family. I'm asking, how many men still have a backbone to correct their wives? The number is getting fewer and fewer. And sister, let me tell you something. He may be refusing certain things. He used to refuse certain things. All of a sudden he says, how oh, you can do it? It's not a big deal. And he says, hey, my wife, you know, the message this this is easier. Our husbands are understanding us. Not knowing that he committed sin, he wants you to drop the standard because if God is in you, he will expose him, he will expose this thing. So he wants everything to look bad in the family. Be very suspicious when a man allows you something that he used not to allow. What happened? What happened? You used to be angry when we used to do it. Now you are happy. What happened? There's something that he wants to do to level the field. Do you want me to give another secret? When he wants to do something, he knows that the pastor is the one man that will stand against it. The first thing he will prepare you for over many weeks and years Say pastor is nothing. <laughs> how can the, look what he did? So that when there is a problem, you don't phone the past. <laughs> we have long been in the game. We know how these spirits work. That's why you know my advice that is time tested. Whenever he keeps on saying pastor, this pastor, they say, who? Oh, let's find another pastor. That you will not talk better about in the family. Because if you give me a problem, where am I going to go? The pastor is the only emergency number that we have. Amen. 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 But a man of integrity, his children walk after him. Shall we read some one? This this will be us, brothers, that are reading it here, together here on the screen. Let's read it, brothers. Blessed is the man. <coughs> <coughs> All right. Let go back to that one. He who keeps company with wise men become... He who keeps company with foolish men, he becomes destroyed. Sometimes it does not matter what a man can say to you. Check his company. The company that a man keeps reveals his character. Verse 2.
0: Verse
1: four. Amen. Check the company that you keep. And maybe in closing, Jacob and Israel were the same person, but he became Israel after God changed him. When he was Jacob, when he was Jacob, he was a schemer. He was a trickster. But look, immediately after God changed him, The first thing that he did, you remember what he did? He looked for Esau. He wanted to fix things with Esau. When a man has resolved his issues, he wants to fix things with his fellow brothers. Are we together? But you must remember, although he became Israel, it doesn't mean that the Jacob nature was gone. He can only escape the Jacob nature as long as he stick on being, an, being Israel. So I'm simply saying, you as a man, you're a new creature. But the devil will always follow you with your old habits that are following you. And in closing, if there is one thing that is destroying men in our end, in the end time, is pornography. It's a demon that is destroying men. It's available on your computer. It's available on your tablet. It's available on your laptop. It will destroy you. Stay away from such. Be a son of God. God bless you richly. give us a worshiping song as we stand to our feet.
0: Here we stand, we proclaim victory. but le
2: Daniel even spoke about it, Lord. He said, there'll be exploits, Father. That, Lord, the children of God would do things, Father. That, Lord, the whole world will be going one way, in one direction, Father. But there'll be a little bride, a little children, Father. That'll be like that salmon, Father. Swimming against the current, dear Lord Jesus. And all its customs, and all its ways, and all its traditions, Father. But, O God, she'll be going against the current, Father, despite what mockery, Father, despite what shame, dear Lord. But she will stand, Father, with the word of God in this hour, Lord Jesus. Though we see how the devil is compromising, Father, but this morning, Lord, we are witness, O God. That the word of God came unadulterated, Father. Came in its pure form, dear Lord Jesus. And, O God, it's proving, Father, the power and the resurrection in this word, Father. Because, Lord, there were voices that said amen to that word, Father. There were, vo- there were children, Father, that may have slipped away in the world of tradition, in the world of pressure, Father. But, O God, they could say amen, Lord, to that precious word. And that word wasn't Pastor Madeva's word, dear God. But that word was a spoken word of God in this hour, Lord. That oh God, like how how even Paul said, I stay up your remembrance, Father. They may call us old fashioned, dear Lord Jesus. Put all names labeled upon us, Father. But oh God, if there be real, true, genuine relationships, Father. Oh, it's standing in the message, Father. Genuine time-tested memorials, Father. It's standing in this message, Father God. Maybe a few, dear Lord Jesus. But the word has been proven this morning, dear Lord. There's sons and daughters of God, Father, that will stand against, Father, the system of compromising, dear Lord, the darkness that's from Lady Osea, that's even creeping in the message, Father. But, oh, God, Lord, this little Lord of Mary's father this morning, Father, that there is so God that will say, though I be pregnated with this word this morning. Though my pregnation gets so big that it even begins to show, but I'll stand even if it means just one. Let it be this morning, dear Lord Jesus. Bless your children this morning, Father, that it had come faithfully, Lord, on the Father's Day, Lord. Maybe cutting, their Lord Jesus. Mm. But oh God, remember your prophet even said, if that medicine don't taste good, then it won't do you any good. If it doesn't make you sick, it won't make do you any good this morning, Father. And We receive it, Father. We don't just profess with our mouths and be professors, Father Lord. But, oh God, receive us of that word that will manifest it on a Monday morning at work, O oh God. Yes. That will manifest it in a Monday morning, Lord, at home with our wives and with our children, dear Lord Jesus. Lord, I, no wonder, Lord, in the prophet painted Lady Osea, Father, he said it was totally dark, yes, Lord. But he knew there was a little light, dear Father, and then he just brought it down, Father. And part of that little light, Lord, is in here in Whitbank this morning, yes. Father. That says, oh God, they would stand with the word, Lord. Yes. Oh, may you bless your children, Father. Bless, bless, bless you. your servant, God, that stood, Father, Lord, like many don't stand this morning, Father. Mm-hmm. And preaches the truth, Lord, even if it becomes unpopular, dear Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. There will be a bride, there will be a little children that will receive that, Father. And walk with that, dear Lord. Walk like he know, walk walked, Father God. And she was she was not, Father. It will be like that, Father. Lord, may you bless us, Father God. Maybe all it dear Lord, but that's fine, Father. Yes. That's the way you want it, dear Lord yes. Jesus. Thank you, we say, yea, be it, Lord, according to thy word. May you be with the children once more, Father. Bless each and every brother and sister and visitor, dear Lord, that has come to the house of God this morning, Father. Many are the sick and afflicted this morning. Many are the broken hearts this morning, Father. Many are unemployed this morning, Father. Financial burdens, dear Lord Jesus. Uh, Lord, even the funds may be depleted, Lord, in the bank accounts, Father. Lord, I pray for them this morning, Father God. We pray for them this morning, Lord. Prove your word, dear God. You'll vindicate your word this morning, Lord. Give them the faith to receive their blessing this morning father yes. we believe it in the name of jesus christ it is not just lord but it's real father it's it's genuine father god we can say amen to that dear lord father in the name of jesus christ we pray amen amen god bless you, god bless you
1: richly amen uh, I'm not here next week Sunday. I met Brother George Martin. So I'm the minister there. Um, Amen. Just pray with me and support you at home. Amen. God bless you richly. Uh, give us a, a song. And then, till we meet, I think young people, if they can remain after church, uh, just to debrief. Amen. They were doing fundraising and they did very well. Amen. <coughs> Amen. Give
0: us a, a song.
1: Amen. Amen. This is Brother Joseph's favorite song. <laughs> he says actually when he goes to and he wants to put it on, on a record and play it for them. They say that's how we sing them. Amen. God bless you, Rishi. Have a blessed week.
0: Sau yeah. si yeah? Oh, nasce yet. Hallelujah. Yes. Alleluia. 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 Alleluia.
2: Alleluia.
0: Alleluia. 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 Oh Miguel, it's Sawbona chen, sinasibhile, sinibayey, bayey,